Hey, it's good to see you. Did you get enough turkey and dressing this week? Are you stuffed enough for the to hold you over till Christmas time? I, I certainly hope so. It's great to see you in church today. I want to take a moment. If this is your first time at the bridge, we especially want to welcome you. Thank you for joining us today. If you're watching online for the first time, thanks for being a part of the bridge church today. Really glad you're here. If you have any questions today, out that first set of doors to your right, there is an info center. They can answer any questions you might have and give you any directions you might need. You can also check out the website, thebridgechurch.tv. We also have a church app you can download on your electronic device. We want to get connected with you and answer any questions you might have. We want to do life with you and build God's kingdom together. So thanks for joining us today. Can we just put our hands together and welcome any of our first-time guests today? Thank you so much. This is a time in service when we set aside time to just give back to God, to worship God with our giving. And here at the Bridge Church, we don't take a lot of time talking about this. We do want you to know there are different ways in which you can give. If you're watching online, you can be comfortable giving from home as well. If you do have a physical gift you want to give today, there are envelopes on the back of the chairs. Put your gift in that envelope. Out this As you exit this first set of doors, on each side of the exit doors, there's a giving station there. There's also one out of the children's check-in area. And we just want to say thank you so much. This Thanksgiving season, you guys are so faithful in your giving. And we want to say thank you for that faithfulness. Also, uh, last weekend, Community Care, we distributed a lot of Thanksgiving dinners, including turkeys and other meat. And it was just a blessing to a lot of people. So thank you for your faithfulness. And according to God's word, God blesses you for your giving. So thank you so much for your faithfulness. One last thing I want to do, this is Thanksgiving weekend, and I wanted to ask Pastor Nick Smith to come and share today. Pastor Nick oversees community care. He oversees our Connect Group organization. He over, also oversees our teams that connect people to the bridge, serving teams. And Nick is a great asset to our team, he and his whole family. So I want you to join me today. Put your hands together. Welcome Pastor Nick as he comes to share God's word today. Good morning, everybody. I'd like to thank Pastor Gary for the opportunity to, to be with you today. Um, hey, so I got a great question to start off with. Have any of you ever ridden a horse before? Raise your hand. Hey, that's pretty good, actually. Do any of you own a horse? A couple. All right. Uh, a little-known fact about my family is a few years ago, we actually owned two horses. Uh, we had two purebred Pasifino horses. One name was Cowboy. Cowboy was trained and was gentle and was kind. And then we had another horse named Bonita, who was not trained, was not kind, and did not follow commands or, you know, when you're trying to get him to do things that you want him to do. So Bonita... Uh, you know, I, I was brushing her one day. I'm trying to, you know, be nice, trying to develop that relationship with her so she will trust me. And so I'm, I'm brushing her on one side, and I'm trying to be loving and sweet. And, you know, she kind of turns her head a little bit towards me. And then in an instant, she goes, and she put her jaw right here on my thigh. Have you ever seen a horse's teeth? I mean, if you've ever given a carrot to a horse, they bust that thing right in half. 
Maybe you've given them an apple before. They bust it right in half. She bit my leg so hard, I almost fell over, and I had teeth marks in the shape of a bruise for over a month. You see, Bonita was a little bit ornery. Any of you have anybody in your life a little bit ornery? You know, when, when you're trying to train a horse, one of the things that you do is, is you try to teach it commands so when it hears a certain word that it will respond the way that you want them to. One of the simplest commands that you can teach a horse is, whoa. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, whoa. If you don't know what that word whoa means, it means to stop or it means to slow down. Turn to the person next to you and say, whoa. I believe there are many times in life when we're just like that unruly horse and we're saying, whoa, to God. You see, God's trying to to tell us something. He's trying to teach us something. He's trying to train us to do something. And we're looking at God saying, whoa, stop, God. Slow down, God. I I can't do that, God. I don't have the resources. I I don't have the skill set to do that, God. God, you you must be mistaken, God. You're not talking to me. You're talking to that other person over there today, God. You're not talking to me, God. Who, me? God, you can't use me. Whoa! I believe that God wants to turn our moments when we say whoa to him, and he wants to turn those into wow moments. You see, when every time when we try to say whoa to God, he's trying to teach us something and turn it into a wow. Today we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, and I want to give you a little bit of the background before we get there. Earlier in chapter 6, the disciples have been sent out by Jesus in pairs. They've gone out to the surrounding villages, communities, and they uh, were sent out with with very specific instructions. They weren't given any food to take. They weren't given any money to take. They weren't even given any extra clothes to take. They were given this command to go out into the surrounding area to preach about repentance, to, to do miracles. They had been given authority and power. And so that's what they do. They go out and they're preaching and they're doing this and, and, they're, and they're being the hands and feet of, of God to the world and they're doing a great job. At the same time that this is happening, King Herod kills John the Baptist in a crazy story. You need to read it. If you don't remember who John the Baptist is, that's the cousin of Jesus. Also, he's the one that had the privilege and the honor to baptize Jesus. So Jesus hears about this news. He has to be sad and he has to be mourning this loss. And around that same time, the disciples come back from their journey and they want to tell Jesus all about what's happened. Now, have any of you ever taken a long journey and you've been tired before? So they come back, they're tired and they're, they're hungry and, and, and like they've had a lot happening and Jesus is also in this time of, of mourning and sadness and he realizes that they need to just get away for a little bit. So he says, hey, come on with me, let's go away. Now the story I'm about to tell you, this is the only miracle story in the Bible besides the resurrection that is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The only miracle story that's in all four Gospels. 
So that's where we're going to pick up today, Mark chapter 6, starting verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, please note, it says that they have not eaten. How many of you get a little bit irritable when you haven't eaten? How many of you are sitting next to somebody who gets a little irritable when they have not eaten? They told us that they had not eaten and that they were tired and hungry. So Jesus says, hey, we need to get away. Picking up the story here, verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Have you ever just needed some time away? Like, it seems like everywhere you go or it's your job or family or whatever, like everyone's just asking something of you and you're just feeling a little bit overwhelmed, you're tired, you just want to get away. Well, you know, we've got three kids and, and if you've got kids, perhaps you've had those moments where your kids just want something, want something, want something, want something and it's like the only time that you can get away is to like go use the bathroom and shut the door. And so sometimes you might stay in there longer than requires just to get away. And you know it's true. So we have a, a 19, 20-month-year-old baby at the house. And so if we go into the bathroom, what does he do? He comes and bangs on the door. And then the other kids are like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm going to the bathroom. Sometimes you just need some privacy. Anyways, back to the story. The disciples and Jesus, they've gotten on a boat. They've gone to the other side of this lake area, and now they are trying to rest. But what's happened is the people saw Jesus getting on the boat, and they thought, we want to go see this guy. And so they actually run around the lake to meet them on the other side. So here we go. Verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had Compassion. Everyone say the word compassion. Compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. That word compassion in Greek actually has a very unusual meaning. When I looked this up, I was like, whoa, that's kind of strange. The word compassion means to yearn in your bowels. That means like your gut. The word compassion means to be moved. So Jesus sees the people and is moved with compassion. You see, true compassion leads to action. True compassion leads to action. So if you say you are having compassion on somebody, that means you are being led to do something. How many of you have ever been so moved like the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about something and something deep inside of you is just kind of like churning and you're like, I know I got to do something about that. I know I got to help that person. I know I got to find a solution for that problem. That is compassion. Sometimes though, when we have that moment of compassion, there's an obstacle. And the obstacle is called inconvenience. 
Sometimes God gives us that compassion inside of us at the most inconvenient time of our life. Here's what we need to understand. Inconvenience may actually be an invitation. Inconvenience may actually be an invitation from God for you to do something. And you may think, yeah, but God, I don't got a lot of time right now. Like, I'm supposed to be there. You know, like, I got this calendar. Lord, it's not on my calendar to help that person right now. Like, come on, God. Like, I just, I just don't have time to do that. A few years ago, I was, I was going to the gas station, and I pulled up to the gas station. I'm, I'm, I'm pumping gas into the, into the truck, and I see this homeless person there. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit whispers to me, says, Go pray for that person. Mama, I don't want to. God, I got somewhere to be. I got stuff to do, God. Like, come on now. Like, I, I don't really want to do it. So here's what I did. I got in my truck and I left. About halfway down the road, that compassion hits me again. And says, what are you doing? Okay, so I turn around, I go back, I get out of my truck, I walk over to this guy, and I just say, hey, I want you to know that God loves you, and that he sent me here to remind you of that, and so I just pray for that gentleman. You see, God may stir you to compassion at very inconvenient moments, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. It's an invitation for you to participate in what God wants to do. Back to the story. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Remember I told you the disciples were hungry? Any of you ever been hangry? You know what I'm talking about. Nothing in the world makes sense. Anything anybody says to you is like fighting words. Anything that takes longer than what you think it should just sends you over the edge. The disciples are hangry. They have already missed several meals. They thought they were going away to rest and eat. Jesus decides to have compassion. And this crowd of people is there now. And Jesus has been teaching them, it doesn't say teaching them some things. It says many things. Jesus is going on and on and on and teaching them many things. Lunchtime has come and gone and it's approaching dinner time. I also want to point out something. In the story, in the record that we have, it never says that the crowd is the one that's complaining. It's the disciples You see, the crowd is being spiritually fed. But the disciples are worrying about their stomachs. So what do they do? I imagine, you know, Jesus is is preaching and he's teaching the people many things. And I imagine the disciples kind of get together a little committee. And they're talking amongst each other and like, hey man, are you hungry? Dude, my stomach is growling. I am so hungry. And they're like, Yeah, like, well, what about all these people? Like, they're going to have to eat at some point. Like, come on, like, hey, 
then they probably have a little vote and they're like, hey, you should be the one to go tell Jesus. All right. So they go over to Jesus and I imagine the story, Jesus, let's say he's preaching over here and, and, and the disciples kind of waiting for that moment where Jesus is about to wrap up one teaching. And so then he kind of goes, oh, excuse me. Hey, Jesus, hey, your, your sermon series has been amazing today, um, but, you know, it's getting a little late today. And, you know, some people are going to start getting hungry and we don't want them to turn into hangry. So, Jesus, I think that we should actually dismiss the crowd. So they think, hey, you know, we'll just reason with Jesus and we'll say it's the people. We need to take care of the people, Jesus. The, the disciples were telling Jesus, whoa! And Jesus was about to do a, wow! And this is what he says. You give them something to eat. I can just imagine what the disciple, who's the one that brought that up, was like, excuse me? Uh, beg your pardon? Who, me? No, 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 I, I was just... Telling you, sometimes in life, you may have an idea, you may have a something, a compassion, something that's burning inside of you, and you may go tell somebody else because you want them to do it. You ever done that? When you know you're actually the one who's supposed to do it? So the disciples, they're told, well, you give them something to eat. And they're like, huh? No. Point number one for you, are you available to do it? Are you available to do it? Turn to your neighbor and say, are you available? Now, I didn't say it to say it creepy like you're swiping on your phone. (laughs) Are you available for God to use? Because here's the situation. You might actually be the answer to somebody's prayer. You might be the answer to somebody's prayer. Whether you're in the room today or whether you're online today, I bet you most of the prayers could be answered by the resources and the collective faith of our church. You might be the answer to somebody's prayer. Then this is what the disciples respond. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Are there any financial practical people in the room? That is who I am. My wife, if she was on stage, she would be nudging me and be like, it's not always about the money. Here's the deal. The disciples are saying, wait a second, like that's going to take a lot of money to feed all these people. And practically speaking, like where are we going to get all that food? We can't do this. When God often asks us to do something, we respond with an excuse. God doesn't want your excuse. He wants your effort. God doesn't want your excuse. He wants your effort. Point number two, recognize what you have. Jesus says, well, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Now I'm going to give you some information that's a little bit later in the story. So a little down in the story, it says that there's 5,000 men that were there. Now, what you need to know is in the Jewish custom, they counted a household by how many men were present. So 5,000 family units were there. So 
if you want to do the math, that could be upwards to 20,000 plus. Some people say even up to 30,000 people were there. This is the largest single crowd that Jesus has ever spoken to. Now imagine this. The disciples are, are walking into the crowd. Now Jesus is preaching over here. He is, he is letting them have it. He's teaching them all kinds of things. And Jesus walks in, or the disciples are walking into the crowd. Because remember, Jesus told them, you go give them something to eat. And so they're like slipping into the crowd. And they're like, hey, excuse me? Do you have something that could feed everybody? And they're like, No. They're like, move, you're in my way. I can't see Jesus. You go to somebody else in this crowd over here, and they're like, excuse me, do, do you have something that, that we could feed these people with? No, I don't, no. And they keep going into the crowd asking people, hey, do, do you have something that, that we could perhaps feed all of these people with? And people were responding, no. And the disciples, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't think so. Okay, okay. And then they go over to what we're told in John chapter 6, verse 9. A boy responds, excuse me, do you have something that we could perhaps feed all these people with? You do have something. Wow, you have very responsible parents. They packed a snack bag. Let's see what we got. Hey, we got some tuna fish. Oh, we got two cans of tuna fish. We got a loaf and a loaf and a loaf. We got five loaves and two fish. Tuna fish. I want to point out something to you. In a crowd of 5,000 family units... Isn't it impossible that there's only one person out of all of that that has food? you got to think about this. Because there are people who take food with them everywhere. There are people in this room right now. If we opened up your purse or your backpack, we'd find a whole grocery store in there. <laughs> Especially if you have little kids. You pack snacks everywhere. Only one person responds out of this humongous crowd, and it's a boy. There was at least 5,000 men there. How many people said, no, but they probably had a little something? And they probably were thinking, yeah, they should have thought ahead. That's their problem, not mine. There's a powerful lesson here. Point number three. Never judge problems in light of your own resources. Never judge problems in light of your own resources. God isn't asking you for what you don't have. He's asking you for what you do have. So many times we are afraid that God is asking too much of us and he's going to ask. God only asks what you have. He doesn't ask for anything else. He asks you to give what you have. And as you give what you have, he does something incredible. Don't discount what God can do with what you have. I know some of you in this room, you're thinking, I don't have much to offer. 
You may say that, and this is what Jesus would respond back. That's perfect. That's all I need. You say, well, you know, Jesus, like, I I can sort of paint a little bit. And Jesus says, perfect. That's all I need. Like, well, Jesus, you know, I'm kind of good at singing. And, well, perfect. Good. That's all I need. Or Jesus, like, you know, I'm pretty good at baking food. Well, perfect. That's all I need. Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at, like, working with kids. And, well, perfect. That's all I need. God, I'm pretty good with business and numbers and organization. Perfect. That's all I need. Stop trying to throw excuses at God. Because what you have is what he needs. In this community, in our church today, we have what we need. Stop looking at yourself and saying, I don't have enough. No, you do. You do. Accept God's invitation to participate. Back to the story. Verse 39. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. So the first thing that Jesus does is it says that he gave thanks, which means to bless. So it means that he celebrates with praise. There's a lesson there for us. When you think you don't have enough, you need to celebrate what you do have with praise. Because he's given you that. God, thank you for what you have given me. The next thing is it says that he broke it, which means that he was breaking apart what they had. So he took the bread and he broke it. Now, instead of one piece, I have two. And you're thinking, that's not anymore. It's exactly what the disciples are thinking. What are you doing, God? You got to let the story keep going. You see, in the breaking process, more can be given. In our breaking process, more can be given from us. Jesus gave them to the disciples. And I know what the disciples are thinking. What are we supposed to do with that? 5,000 families. Jesus, what are you thinking? Now, if you're like me, your brain goes all over the place and you're probably thinking, how can we make this work? Do we do a, like a scratch and sniff? Like pass it down? Here, you scratch it and sniff it and then pass it down. Is it, hey, we just, you know, pull off a little crumb and Hey, pull a little crumb. Here you go. Pass it down. Like, what, what were the disciples thinking that, hey, we, we're going to go out and give this tuna fish and five loaves out? The next thing it says that the disciples that they distribute, which means to set before. I believe that as this is happening, the disciples are sweating. Because it doesn't say in the Bible that you know, when, when Jesus blessed it and prayed for it, he broke it and all that, the dislike loaves started flying out of heaven or fish started flying out of heaven, falling onto the ground and they just picked them up and put them in baskets. No, it doesn't say any of that. 
But what it says is that they went out to distribute them. And as they distribute them, the miracle keeps taking place. But I imagine when they get to that first row, and they're like, five loaves, two fish, five loaves, two fish. What are we going to do? Five loaves, two fish. And I imagine that they're like looking at that first row, and they're giving the person the stink eye. Listen, take a little piece. Hey, I said a little piece. Peter, you already ate half a loaf. What are you doing? I imagine that they were kind of sweating a little bit. And then as they continued to give out, more kept appearing. This is an amazing miracle. That as they're giving it out, more and more keeps appearing. There's a lesson that we need to learn that as you give out, God multiplies. As you give out, God multiplies. If you're taking notes, that was point number four. When you give, God multiplies. This is how God's math works. Five loaves, two fish, fed over 5,000 families. Something that was enough for one family or maybe one kid was enough to feed everybody. When we give of ourselves, God will take that and multiply it far beyond what you ever thought possible. But you have to be willing to give of yourself. And he will take that and he will do something incredible. You see, God is looking for conduits to move through. He is looking through conduits to move through. A conduit is something that channels power, channels electricity. God is looking for people that he can trust, that he can move through. And that if you will be that kind of a person, he will do incredible things through. A few years ago, I was on a missions trip. And I was, uh, I was in the country of Italy, and we were at a refugee camp. And we were, were talking with some of the people that were there. And, and the interpreter was, was uh, sharing, and then some people around there. And there was this, this older lady who was there. And she was kind of sharing her little story with us and, and telling us a bit about who she was. And, and she was telling us that she had a very difficult life growing up uh, because she was born blind. And that she had struggled and that people had made fun of her. And it was very difficult for her to get around. A lot of struggles that, that dealt with that. And as she's telling us her life story, I'm like sitting over here at this table. And like I'm having that gut-wrenching compassion moment. And God is saying... I need you to do something. And I'm like, oh, okay, God. So then I'm, I'm waiting for that, like, opportune moment. And so, you know, whatever we were doing, we, we finally wrap up. And, and I, I go over to the interpreter, and I ask her to, to talk to the lady. And I'm like, hey, is it okay if I pray with you? Now, if you know me, I'm pretty mild-mannered. I'm not like an over-the-top person. I'm not like super enthusiastic. This is about as enthusiastic as I get. You can ask people in my life. This is it, okay? So now if I'm praying for somebody, this is kind of about the volume level I'm praying with. And, and so I, I go over to this lady and um, I'm, hey, can I, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. And so I just I put my hands on this lady. I kid you not. It was like a bolt of lightning from heaven hit me. And as I began praying, 
this, I'll, I'll describe it as electricity, the Holy Spirit flowing through me into this woman. I am no longer like, just like, hey, thank you, God. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Like, I'm like praying at the top of my lungs. And like at that point, all the people of the team, everybody around, they're all like walking over now because they're like, what is going on? And I am just, I'm praying. My little, my kids were there and like, they're coming over. Like they're getting worried. What's wrong with daddy? And I'm praying for this lady. I am bawling. She's bawling. And like, and then like, it's, it's done. And I just look at the lady and I'm just like, God wants you to know how much he loves you. He sees you and he loves it when you sing to him. And that was all he wanted to say to her. God just wanted the conduit to say it. God may be ready to use you in a powerful way, but are you ready to be used? Are you ready to allow God to move through you? Back to the story, verse 42. It says that they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. God used a boy with a snack pack, a Lunchable, or maybe a Long John Silver's bag, to feed over 5,000 families. Remember, the disciples were We're trying to say, whoa, to Jesus, we can't do this. And God is saying, wow, we're about to do something incredible. What does God want to do through you? What things does God want to do through you? What or who is God saying you need to have compassion for? Is it for that kid down the street who maybe is... You know, has a single parent who works a lot of hours to provide for their family? Is it to have a heart for the homeless? Is it to be an encouragement to people? To send them notes, to, to, to send text messages, voicemails, whatever it may be, just to, to come around and, and give people a hug when they need it. Maybe your, your gift is acts of kindness. Maybe you're a person that you do okay with kids and maybe so you have a, a knack for, for teaching and so you, you want to coach sports teams or something and you want to just be that positive influence in young people's life. Maybe it's helping the elderly. Maybe it's helping people that our society would say are oppressed. Maybe it's mentoring people. You may feel like you don't have a lot to give, but I'm telling you what you have to give is more than enough because when God takes our natural, he adds the super and then it becomes supernatural. So we got to be ready and willing to give the natural. Let me give you a few examples of some people here at the bridge. I'm not going to share their names who are participating in wow moments. I know a young man who has a heart for homeless people. And so he's, he's been collecting sweaters and jackets so that he can go out and, and give them out to homeless people because it's getting cold at night. He's not trying to start some like 
you know, ministry at the church or anything. He's just, he's just asking people, hey, can we do this? Hey, would you be willing to do this? And then he's going out and doing it. I know someone here who recently, they had some crazy financial emergencies kind of pop up out of nowhere. And they're praying to God, like, God, how, how is this going to happen, Lord? The expenses are so much, Lord. What are we supposed to do in this moment? And I know someone here who was listening to God that had a very generous heart and, and gave them a substantial gift, participating in a wow moment. There's somebody recently who had a heart to help oppressed women. They went on a trip to a country that's predominantly Muslim. They went and, and, and met with some family members there and said, hey, we want to start a, a women's gathering. And so they started this women's gathering and women from the surrounding area started to come. And over a few weeks, 200 people gave their heart to the Lord. 200 people in a Muslim country. But the story doesn't stop there. Because that person responded to what God had asked them to do. It encouraged other people around them to respond to what God asked them to do. That person then met somebody who, who, who was wanting to be a pastor but didn't have a church to, to do anything. And, and, and when this started happening, they saw that this was the moment, this was the time, but they needed a location to meet. You see, in this area, there had actually been a church, but it had been closed down for seven years. This pastor then is thinking, how do we do this? How do we do this? And then a businessman comes along and says, hey, what if I buy that and give it to you? So now in this community, a Christian church is going to be planted and a school is going to be planted there. All because somebody said, I want to go help. All because when that compassion was moving inside of them, they said, okay, God, I don't have a lot, but, but God, I'll, I'll give what I have. God's not asking you for what you don't have. He's asking you to give what you do have. And like I said earlier today, there are so many answers to prayer in this room right now. if we all collectively come together God could do some wow moments as we get ready to close here two thousand years ago God did a wow moment. He sent his son Jesus to pay the price for all of humanity's sins. Now, one thing that you need to know about God is that math does not work the same for him because he gave one and it was multiplied to be exponential. God gave his son Jesus to die on a cross for you and I. And as he did that, he gave us opportunity for salvation. 
He gave us an opportunity to spend eternity with him in heaven. So I want to extend that wow moment to you today. So I'm going to ask whether you're online with us or if you're in the room today, that you just close your eyes for a moment and that you would repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live for you. I will follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Friends, that's a simple prayer, but that's a wild prayer. Because as people in this room have said that for the first time today, they are having a party in heaven. Because that means some more people are going to heaven. Some more people are going to spend their eternity with Christ. You see, miracles take place each and every weekend here. God wants to turn our woe moments into wow moments. Before we conclude, my parting question to you is, what is God telling you you should have compassion for or what? What is it that you were supposed to have compassion for or who were you supposed to have compassion for? And begin praying and seeking God for direction on what you can do because God has something incredible for each of you. If you said that prayer today and that was your first time saying that prayer, we have a gift for you. It's called the next seven days. You see, we don't believe this is the end of the journey. It's just the starting point. And we don't want you to do that journey alone. We want to give you some resources, some tools to start that journey off. And so in a few moments, uh, we're going to have a prayer team on this side and over here as well. And they're going to have this little booklet that they'd like to give to you. It's called The Next Seven Days. You can just simply go up to them and say, hey, can I have that booklet? No questions asked. They'd love to do that. Or if you want to ask questions, you have prayer too, they'd love to pray with you. If you're in a super big hurry, we got a desk out there with the TV up over it that'll say next seven days. You can just go up there. You can grab it off the counter and just know that we love you and that we want to do this journey with you. Church, I believe God wants to turn our woe moments into wow moments. Thank you very much, Pastor Gary. Can we give Pastor Nick a good hand this morning for that message? That was a great message, Nick. I, I want to say this in closing today, just before we go. Uh, you know, a lot of times I'll say, here's your homework. Go home and read this chapter and think about it. Sometime today you need to stop and ask yourself two questions before the Lord. What do I have to give? And am I available when God needs me? Nick hit it on the head. You know what? God's not going to ask you to give something you don't have. He's simply going to ask you, to share what he's given to you. So that's a great message today. Hey, I love you guys. This has been a great Sunday in God's house. Thank you for being here today. Be sure on your way out to shake some hands, give some people some high fives, let them know you're glad to see them today. God bless you. Have a great week.